I'm Scott Hervey with Weintraub Tobin. And I'm Josh Escovito with Weintraub Tobin. Vogue magazine has sued 21 Savage and Drake over their use of imitation Vogue magazines to support their promotion of their new album, Her Loss. That's what we'll be discussing on this installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Condé Nast, the publisher of Vogue magazine, filed a complaint against Drake and 21 Savage in the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York, alleging claims under the Lanham Act concerning Drake and 21 Savage's promotion of their recent collaboration album, Her Loss, which was released on November 4. In the complaint, Condé Nast alleges that Drake and 21 Savage ran a deceptive campaign and utilized Vogue's reputation by creating fake Vogue magazine covers to promote the album. According to the complaint, they even went so far as to thank the editor-in-chief, Anna Wintour, for her support. The complaint also includes allegations that Drake and 21 Savage misled the public into thinking the fictitious Vogue covers were from real issues that would have been released on October 31st. Condé Nast has been clear that none of this promotion was authorized by the company, especially not the alleged distribution of copies throughout North America or the placement of so-called counterfeit covers along street and buildings in various cities. The complaint also takes issues with the fact that Drake and 21 Savage have posted similar content to more than 135 million social media followers. One of Drake's posts featured the faux Vogue ad, including a caption that states, me and my brother on newsstands tomorrow. Thanks, at Vogue magazine and Anna Wintour for the love and support on this historic moment. Her loss, November 4th. Condé Nast was obviously displeased since it has been using the mark in commerce since at least 1892 and in connection with digital advertising since 1998, and yet its permission was not sought for this use. It's without question one of the most well-known fashion publications in the world, and surely that reputation is what led Drake and 21 Savage to use this idea for the promotion. According to Condé Nast, the campaign has created significant fusion among the public, as well as the media, with several media companies actually believing that the cover features were real. As a result, they even ran stories about the artist landing on the cover of Vogue for the album. Making matters even more significant, Drake and 21 Savage's public relations team sent emails announcing that copies of the putative Vogue magazine would be handed out in specific cities across North America. And then, according to the complaint, they proceeded to distribute a near-exact reproduction of the October Vogue magazine, including Vogue's copyrighted content, with a Drake and 21 Savage cover in those cities. There were, of course, some pages that had been changed to include superimposed promotions for her loss on the pages or to include photos of Drake. According to Condon Asked, its attorneys reached out to the defendants and sent a cease and desist letter prior to filing the lawsuit, but Condon Asked's warnings were not heeded. The complaint includes claims for trademark infringement, counterfeiting, false designation of origin, unfair competition, trademark dilution, false advertisement, and other violations of New York law. And of course, with this sort of situation, with Condé Nast believing that its intellectual property uh, was being utilized without consent and likely causing irreparable harm, uh, they had to take immediate action. So most recently, Condé Nast moved for and obtained a temporary restraining order, precluding Drake and 21 Savage from using fake Vogue magazines and covers or using the likeness of its editor-in-chief to promote her loss. With the court expressly finding Condé Nast has a likelihood of success on the merits of its claims. 
The order stated that the wrappers are confusing consumers about the origin, sponsorship, and approval of the bogus Vogue cover. The court has also directed Drake and 21 Savage to appear before the court on November 22nd, 2022, to show cause as to why the restraining order should not be converted into a preliminary injunction for the duration of the case. That will be Drake and 21 Savage's opportunity to respond to Condé Nast's contention, and we'll certainly want to keep an eye on that. But before we wrap up, do you think the court's headed in the right direction here, Scott? I do. Um, the more I read about the marketing activities of her loss, the more I just shook my head. I mean, who who was steering this boat? And and who thought that all of this would be okay? Um, look, would it have been okay if uh, Drake and 21 Savage just spoofed the cover of a Vogue, Vogue magazine um, and that was all that they did? Maybe I could see uh, I could see the Rogers test supporting that if there was you know if we if they satisfied all the elements, but all of the other activities that they engaged in, which created the consumer confusion, um, obliviated any chance of reliance on the Rogers test. Um, and I mean, you know, they made those type of affirmative statements thanking the editor-in-chief and distributing copies of the Vogue magazine, which in and of itself is going to be a copyright infringement issue, obviously. You know, those are all affirmative steps that create um, confusion. And, you know, as we know, that's one of the things that you can't have in order to rely on the Rogers test. So, yes, I think the court is heading in the right direction. Um, I... I'm dying to hear Drake and 21 Savage's team explain why they think what they did was legal. Same here, Scott. As I was reading through this, I was asking myself, what is the defense here? Is, is this arguably a transformative use? And I thought, no, probably not. And then I thought of the Rogers test, of course, and it's especially pertinent here since we're in the Second Circuit's territory. Um, but, you know, while while the first element of the Rogers test is easy to satisfy, that there's some artistic relevance. Uh, the second element, I think, is where this particular defense dies, because this is explicitly misleading, especially yes, with posts that are saying, you know, shout out to Anna Wintour and Vogue magazine, you know, stuff like that. That's this is one of the few instances where I've actually seen the second element of the Rogers test just blaring in your face. It's, right. <laughs> Right. It's I mean, the, right. The last the last case that we talked about, the um, Meadowbrooking case, where the court found expressly that there could be at least on the motion to dismiss state uh, uh, um, on a motion to dismiss, the court found that the plaintiffs had pleaded um, sufficiently that uh, there was um, this, you know, intentionally misleading statements that were made by um, by the defendant. And, you know, to me, it wasn't, I couldn't see it in the facts, but my God, it's <laughs> it's so visible here. I who was who was asleep at the wheel on this one? Anyway, lesson for you, um, marketing executives. When you think you have a really great marketing campaign, run it by legal, please. Make sure that you don't get your client sued. That's great advice. <laughs> Thanks, Josh, for bringing this to our attention. Of course. Thanks, Scott. 
Thanks for tuning in to the 98th edition of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Thanks for your support. And if you're a recent listener, well, you've got 98 uh, episodes to listen to. If you're also interested in more content like this, please visit us at the IPLawBlog.com.